0: Because you're worthy of it, God, because you're King of kings and Lord of lords, God, we thank you for your goodness, Lord, we thank you for your presence, oh God, that you desire to meet with us this morning, God, we just worship you in this place, we give you our hearts, God, we give you our attention, God, we give you all of us, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning, God, hallelujah, come on, let's just stand up on our feet this morning, hallelujah, let's just keep thanking the lord this morning for who he is god we praise you we worship you god you are awesome lord we bless your name god you are good lord you are faithful to the end hallelujah jesus Worshipping the Lord this morning let's just start thinking of three things right now that you're thankful for come on right now three things in your life man thank you Lord for my family thank you Lord God that I'm here in this place Lord thank you for your goodness thank you Lord Jesus come on just three things right now let's just fill this sanctuary with thanksgiving and praise in this place hallelujah thank you God you're faithful Jesus you are good Lord thank you Lord for your awesomeness thank you Lord that your love never fails Thank you, God, that we can come into a place of worship, God. Thank you that you give us freedom to God. Thank you, Lord. Come on, a couple more seconds, church. Come on, let's fill this place with our voices. Fill this place with our praise this morning. You are good, Jesus. You are good in all your ways, God. You are faithful to the end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you this morning. We love you this morning, Jesus. We have to shout it out, God. We just gotta tell our neighbor, God, how much we love you, Jesus. You are good, God. You are good, Jesus. You are good, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, can we just sing it one more time? To be alive this morning. Come on, who's breathing in this room? Hallelujah. Let me encourage you. The Bible says, "Let everything that has breath praise the Lord." So I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, "Hey, are you breathing this morning?" Don't breathe on your neighbor. <laughs> But man, the word says, man, everything that has breath, let us praise the Lord. Amen. And, and that's why we're here this morning. We want to worship God. We want to praise him with these songs. And these songs, all they do is they talk about how awesome God is. So man, let's just encourage each and every one. Let's encourage our neighbor. Man, if you have breath this morning, if you're alive this morning, let's praise the Lord together. Amen. Come on, who's ready to praise the Lord? Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, can we sing this one more time? Shout a praise this morning hallelujah we will praise you in Jesus this morning with our breath that you've given us we praise you father you are good Lord you are good Jesus you deserve it Oh God hallelujah hallelujah God we thank you for your love Jesus we thank you for the love that you displayed on that cross God The reason why we sing, oh God, is because your love extended to us, Lord. Because your love reached out to us, God, even when we didn't want it, God, your love still extended out to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your awesome love, Father. Oh, just thank him for his love this morning, church. Just thank him for the cross right now. Thank you, Lord. Your love is awesome and perfect for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's no love like yours, Lord. There's no love like yours, Jesus. Oh, Father, we love you. We love you this morning. your heart, that's when it happens, that's when you feel the presence of God, is when you open your heart to Him. So right now, we're going to take this time right now and say, God, touch every heart in this room that is ready to receive you, God. Come on, if that's you, if you've got a ready, open heart right now, as your hands are raised as a sign of surrender to God, I want you to just say that, God, fill me with your love, God. God, I just want to feel your love this morning in a new, fresh way, God. Fill this heart with your presence, Lord. Fill this heart with your presence, Jesus. Fill this heart with your presence, Lord. Fill us up, God. Fill us up, Jesus. Fill us up with your presence, with your perfect love, Lord. Fill us up with your perfect love, Jesus. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, Jesus, with your awesome love. Come on, keep pushing forward, church. Come on, keep keep asking the Lord to come and to move upon your heart this morning. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, can somebody just say the name of Jesus this morning? Come on, call upon Jesus this morning. Jesus, fill this place with your love, God with your love this morning, Jesus. Yes, Lord, we feel your presence, God. Come on, sing this one more time. this morning that if you're distracted if you've just been thinking about your week right now then now is a time where you can enter in for yourself now is a time where you can experience God for yourself man we can't push you we can't make you feel God but man I'm telling you when you open up your heart and say God I'm ready to receive he will meet you where you're at So right now, let's just close our eyes all over this room. And why we do that is so that we don't get distracted by other people. Sometimes we can start watching people. We can watch the karaoke screen. But that's not why we're here. We're here to meet with the King of Kings, with the Lord of Lords, with the God of all creation. And he's dying to meet with you this morning. So all over this room, all distraction aside, right now, every eye closed right now, on every eye closed right now jesus we want to give you room we want to give you attention god we want to give you room to move in our hearts god every distraction god we lay to the side God, every weight and every burden God, we cast upon the foot of Jesus God, everything, oh God, that weighs us down Everything that wants to bring us away from you, God We give it up to you, Jesus We surrender Come on, if you need to surrender some things right now There's something holding you back You're watching from the sidelines Come on, something's holding you back You need to give that to Jesus this morning You need to give it up to him right now Come on, just surrender it to him right now Whatever it is distraction, maybe doubt, maybe things that have happened this week to you. Come on, we surrender it to you, Jesus. We give it up to you right now, God. Come on, all over this room, every eye closed right now in this place. Jesus, Jesus, we surrender it all to you, God. We surrender it all, Jesus, so you can fill us up, Lord. Jesus, We want you to fill us up, Lord. Come on, just say this with us. Say, fill me. Nobody else wants
1: Jesus hallelujah we're gonna get ready to take communion in just a little bit but before we do I want us to just meditate on Jesus right now if you are hungry for him he will fill you up until you overflow with his power with his goodness with his love the Bible says that there are three things there are three things that Jesus accomplished when he died on the cross for us he took our sins upon himself So, if there is something that you are doing that is hindering your walk with god there is forgiveness for you today he took our sicknesses the bible says that by his stripes when he was beaten when he was when his back was whipped when his whole body was whipped he took our sicknesses upon himself and by his stripes we are healed and so if you're sick in your body today there is healing for you at the cross And he also took our sorrows upon himself there's a tragedy if there's a pain if there's a hurt that you're experiencing right now in life you're not alone so with hands still lifted up all across this room between you and jesus this morning say i need you i'm too filled up with what this world has been offering me the hurt and the pain lies people letting me down if you've come here today and you're too full of what happened to you this week empty yourself out before Jesus and say I need your love I want your healing I need your salvation to fill me up and so as I empty myself out Jesus fill me up with you because I need you because I'm desperate for you He died so that we could have life. And we don't just remember it one time a year. As Easter is approaching, people are getting ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But as believers, as Christians, we celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection every single day of our life. Because he died so that we can live. And he gives us life abundantly. Hallelujah. Let's sing that one more time with all of your heart shout out to god this morning to fill you up so that you won't be empty on his love jesus more of you and less of us god more of you and less of me jesus Para! Ah! ushers make their way to the front for us to partake in the communion. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Luke 22, verse 14. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus, we remember you this morning, and we say thank you for the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you are able to forgive us of our sins. We thank you, Jesus, for taking our place with God's wrath upon you when it should have been upon us. When we were still your enemies, you died for us so that we could have fellowship A relationship a communion with God we thank you that you so desired to be with us again and Jesus as we prepare our hearts this morning we just want to say we love you and we thank you for life and life abundantly we thank you that you've not left us alone like the Bible says you have not left us alone as orphans you promised to be with us we stand on your word because your word is true and your promises are yes and amen so we thank you this morning we bless the wafer and the grape juice that we are about to partake of and we say jesus be glorified and be magnified in our life and throughout the world in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen if you follow The ushers leading on either side of me, you can follow the direction up to the front and partake with us in communion this morning.
2: Would you just stand so that we know that you have finished we're not in a hurry take your time but just so that we know you finished and just sing this with us today one more time from the beginning I'll never know how much how much it costs you Jesus to see my sin oh God we'll never know Lord but you did it you did it Lord oh we'll spend all of eternity learning the greatness of your love for us come on sing it out today friends to see my sins that's what you're here for. Would you just worship for the next few moments in gratitude for the cross of Jesus Christ? You're my God. If he's your God, sing it out. You're so lovely. Oh yes, God, you're worthy. Oh, so wonderful to me. Come on one more time. Here I am. It's why I live we named our church after metro praise we're praising your name this morning god in the beauty of your majesty oh yes god you're so lovely so worthy you're worth it all let's pray father we thank you for the cross Today is not a day of defeat we we'll remem- where we remember a slain martyr or war hero today is a day of victory where we remember the resurrection and the power that you had, Jesus. We claim it today as our own to know the power of the resurrection that we will live for you, God, and that our lives will glorify you, that our families will be on fire for you, and that you will change the family in the community and the nation in which we live, God. May the name of Jesus Christ be lived it up so that all men may be drawn unto him hallelujah if you believe it today give him a shout of praise in a clap of victory he is the great i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end he is the God who heals Jehovah Rapha he is the God who provides Jehovah Jireh he is the God of your peace Jehovah Shalom he is the God of your righteousness Jehovah Shikinu he is the God that sanctifies Jehovah Nikodes he is the banner of victory over your life Jehovah Nisi he is the great shepherd of your soul Jehovah Rohi he is the bride and morning star, the fairest of 10,000. He is our great chief shepherd. He loves us. One more shout of praise for the resurrected Christ Jesus. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, I worship Jesus. Hey Amen. Will you stay standing to your feet and greet two or three people as we play this welcoming video today. Welcome to Metro Praise, a church that's alive. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand. Don't stand there awkward. You don't sit down and be a party pooper. jesus how about you so i love jesus yes i do yes i love jesus yes i do make some noise amen (laughs) you know what sunday school for adults right it's okay sunday school for adults we want to welcome you to our second service 11 a.m god is showing up in the place how many just enjoyed that time of communion Oh man, just right there at the end Just in my heart It was like, let's give it all to God Amen, amen. We, You know, we don't have to be priesters. Priesters are people who wait for Christmas and Easter To love on Jesus We can love on Him right now Can I hear an amen? We can love on Him right now. This is our day to celebrate. And so we're glad you're here. 11 a.m. We also have a morning service at 9. And then every Wednesday encounter night, we just had a great family fun night last Wednesday of every month. First Wednesday of every month is Miracle Night. So here's the deal. Every Wednesday, there's something going on here at the church for you and your family. Royal Rangers and Impact is like Boy Scout, Girl Scouts for K through 8th grade. It's a free program. You can join them up. First Wednesday of the month for the adults in here, Miracle Night. Last uh, Wednesday of the night, uh, of the month. is family night, and the ones in between are just prayer meetings for God. Anybody like to pray? Does anybody remember the song You Got to Pray Just to Make It Today? You Got to Pray. Who sung that song? Does anybody know? do you don't remember? MC Hammer Hammer Time Dun, 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 dun Okay, and then Elevate Hey man, y'all are weak this morning You need some adults to help you out Elevate Thank you guys for that. Elevates our youth group every Friday at 7.30, 11 to 18, junior high and high school. They're doing awesome things for God. So that's our services Sunday, Wednesday and Friday. And then we got something really awesome coming up here for Easter. I want you guys to get a big chunk of these flyers this week and help us for the entire month to fill this place up for Easter. There is no better time to invite your family than for Easter. And we're going to do a special presentation called His Pain, Your Gain. And we got a movie clip we want to show you right now. I'd like for you to watch this. We are going to play off of the Passion of the Christ movie and present something here for you and your whole family that I believe will be powerful and life-changing. Let's take a look at this video right here. His Pain, your for jesus come on y'all excited you feel that okay so here's here's the deal i'm not going to be jesus there won't be a chubby jesus up here this year okay so what we are going to do is we're going to play off of this theme and it's going to be a surprise now listen i've been brought up in church i've seen it every which way you can do it but god gave us something very special this easter and i promise you it will be something so powerful that i guarantee you have never seen or heard what we're going to do this Easter. It's going to be very powerful to bring your friends and family to some of the things that we already have preparing for, just people witnessing what we were doing. They came into tears. Just came into tears, walked around what some of the things we were doing. And they said, this is what my Jesus did for me. We will not be having a good Friday service. We have that for our youth. So we will be tapping on that Easter Sunday, the death, burial, and resurrection. And the theme is going to be his pain, your gain. And Andrew, would you go up to the Facebook page? Does anybody have a Facebook in the house? Okay, for the rest of you, do you live on planet Earth? Does anybody? Okay, get a Facebook and join the rest of us, okay? Stop being weird and antisocial. It's okay. Get a Facebook and join the rest of us. Okay, here it is. You go to, I'm just kidding. Look at your neighbor and say, he's just kidding. Kind of, kind of. Okay, here we go. It's Metro Praise Easter services, Paying Your Gain. You find it on Facebook, and then you go there. We got the video there. We've got the banners there. You can download them. You can put them on your big banner, Facebook, and then these flyers. If you got a flyer in your hand, can you wave it to me? Come on right now. Wave your hands in the A, wave them just like you know, K, and Jesus Christ is up in here. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on today Sometimes you never know who you're going to get The rapping, and scatting, and pastor Or the fireball You just don't know I think today's a little bit of both, you know Okay, so you got the Facebook, and go to invite friends for me, please. Prophet thank you, Andrew. And you can just, man, start inviting all of your friends via Facebook and then via this right here, these flyers. We got 5,000 of them. Take them by the chunk. Please invite your friends and coworkers. Don't get in trouble on your job, but what a great time to evangelize, to say, hey, are you going anywhere for Easter? And then they're going to probably say, yes, I'm going to our mother of, of whatever. And... Yes, yeah, saying I'm going to Saint Mary of. Uh, where's the place where they had the apparition? What's the place of wherever these places are? Somebody just shout out a Catholic church, Saint Viator's. Give me another one. Queen of Angels. There we go. There is the name I'm looking for. Like so, they're going to say I'm going to Queen of Angels, and then this is what you're going to say. You're going to say, "Do you want to go to heaven or hell when you die?" And then whatever answer they say, say if they go, say heaven, then you say, "Come to my church." Okay. That may be mean, but it'll help them understand. You look at them like, you don't have to do that. But just, I want you to tell people to be here for Sunday. Are you guys listening to me? How many know Queen of Angels won't preach the gospel to them? Y'all looking at me crazy. Don't have me start changing my whole message right now and preach to you on the lies of Catholicism. We love Catholics, but it's a lie. It will damn people's soul to hell. You cannot pray to anybody else except to Jesus Christ. You do that, that look, I get some amens now. You, you, you pray to anybody else but Jesus, that's idolatry, okay? And you you confess your sins to anybody else, you might as well have just put a a, a 666 on your head because Jesus did not say to confess your sins to anybody but Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Okay, so heaven and hell is at stake. You now have no excuse. I have given you everything I can to help you to invite your friends for Easter. We would like to see this place packed for two services. Can I hear an amen to that? Thank you for that. And we love Catholics. We love Muslims. We love everybody. But there's only one way to Jesus Christ. I don't want his mother, brother, his sister, or anybody else. Just give me Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is our vision of Metro Praise. If you're joining with us today for the first time, it's loving God, loving people. The two greatest commands Jesus told us was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you like more information about that, Berto's in the back. He'll show you all of the ministries we have to do this. But here's how you can remember. Everybody go, one, two, three. Now say connect, mentor, send Amen Seven years ago we started this church As easy as one, two, three We want to connect you to the cross, number one Number two, we want to teach you the cross And number three, send you out with the cross To change the world for Jesus Christ To be holy conquistadors In el nombre de Jesucristo We want to win the world for Jesus Look at your neighbor and say A world changer, history maker And a roof breaker Come on, that's what we came to be. And the first way to do it is to connect to our life groups. Does anybody get life at life groups? Can I hear you all make some noise? Amen. So don't be lonely all by yourself, okay? Join a life group. What is it? It's a home Bible study at somebody's house with hors d'oeuvres, refreshments, and a time to hang out. If you want to be a lump on the log, "Mm, I just don't want any friends. You can be that way, okay? But then don't come to us when something goes wrong in your life. You're like, nobody's here to help me. We're here to help you. We're here right now for you, okay? So make friends, Join the life group. And then and then you know what they do at life groups? They pick things to adopt in the community. They give out free uh, hot chocolate at bus stations, soup to those in the community. They also go door to door handing out flyers and inviting people to the church, get, going to uh, adopting laundry mats and doing people's laundry for free. How many want to help the community you live in? Amen. And if you don't want to help the community you live in, we want to help you. Amen. Because if it's still about you, we're going to help you to get off of you and get back on to Jesus. Jesus and loving others. Amen. So join this life group. Get empowered. Connect. Everybody say connect. Thank you. And then mentor. See, Jesus came to the world to make disciples. Now, I've had people come to this church, and we would have this place full times 10 if we just didn't do this right here, you know, because people come to me all the time. They're like, Pastor, you so funny. <laughs> you make me laugh. I like to meet my family, and then we go, well, have you joined the discipleship? Have you gone to the life group? I'm not into that. What I just like to do, I like to come to church on Sunday and Wednesday, and then I'm good, and you see, that's not good with us. You see, Jesus didn't come to have you come show up for two days a week. Jesus came to make disciples, okay, so if you don't want to be a disciple of Christ, you want to be a lukewarm, mamsy-pamsy, ninny, breastfeeding, drink milk-drinking Christian, this church will not make you feel comfortable. We want you to be a world changer for Jesus Christ because he came to make disciples. If he could take a disciple like Peter who was a fisherman, if he could take an ex-prostitute, if he could use an old guy who was a tax collector crooked from his, the day he started working, he can use you and rearrange you and turn your frown upside down and put a pep in your step And give you something to shout about. And if you're here today and you're saying, I'm not sure about this. I want to ask the same question. We want to ask these people. Do you want to go to heaven? Because the Bible says that he Has a place for his disciples in heaven We're saved by faith, not by good works But because of faith, we are saved Unto good works, so get involved in this Now here's my thing, please hear my heart This is the first part, you join a life group You connect, and then you ask Him to mentor you And this is the first book, and here's the second book If, If you can't afford it, they're free online And here's the deal, everybody track with me Right here, if this is not For you, hear my heart today There's a hundred other churches out there That don't have this, that will be for you, okay? There's a hundred other churches that would love for you just to show up on Sunday, put your little tithe in the offering bucket, and check off your to-do list for Jesus, and they will love you for it. They will stay out of your life, and they will let you be as backslidden as they are, okay? But if you want to change the world, get out of yourself, deny yourself, the Bible says, pick up your cross, that means all that stuff you have to complain about, put it to the cross, put it to death, and live for Jesus Christ. That's what he said look at your neighbor and say that's what he said man i thank god i came to preach any church come to hear the word of god today i thank god for announcements that come with passion you know i made a decision seven years ago when we started this church that we would be everything we could be for discipleship. It may not be what everybody wants. It may make us unpopular. We may get called a cult. I don't care, but I'm going to do what Jesus said to do. And I'm so thankful for those that are here. You know that we have more disciples than we've ever had before. We have more people being mentored and taught in Jesus Christ. And when people come to us, not a lot, but when people come to us from other churches, most churches think we're crazy. Sort of like, look, if you're church hopping, don't hop there because that's a little crazy. So go to the other one with the nice choir and we'll, they'll forget about you. But when people come here... It's like they come here like, the ones who really love Jesus and come here, it's like they're panting and we're just holding out the water and we're like, and we're like, what's going on? And they're like, the place where I was at, they weren't discipling, but they had choirs and they had children's ministry and all we did is just hear the preacher do everything and now we want to do something for God. And then sometimes the little sheep, they come here, like they got like a little crutch, they come here wounded and- like i've been hurt and i don't know what to do and then and they're like looking for a hospital and we got a hospital here but check it the hospital is on the battleship so once we like put together your arm and you're like and you can start doing the thing we're going to put you behind the big cannons and start fighting for jesus And the question is, do you believe we can have 100,000 souls in this city? Because if we don't, then who's going to get them, the devil? Right now, Christianity is decreasing in America. Do you know that Christianity is losing ground in America? They close 7,000 churches a year in America and are only planting 3,000 more. Islam grows faster in America than Christianity. Jehovah Witnesses and Mormonism grows faster in America than Christianity. And you know what's growing faster than all of them combined? Unbelief, agnosticism and atheism is taking over our Young people, and it is growing so fast right now. They say the baby boomer generation—that's the children of the World War II, 60 plus and older. About 60 percent of them believe in Christ, evangelical Christians. You then get to Generation X, which is about from uh, my age, 30, to that 60 age. From 30 to 60, Generation X, it goes from 60 percent to the baby boomers to our generation, my generation, about 20 percent are evangelical Christians. And you want to know right now? For those who are 20 and, uh, and younger that are in junior high, high school, and college do you know how many right now in this culture believe in jesus as we do born again the billy graham gospel seven out of a hundred only seven percent my friends it's time to wake up and to become disciples of jesus christ connect to the cross be mentored by the cross and get out there soldier and change the world with the cross for a hundred thousand disciples here with 50 churches and 500 around the world if you want to join the revolution everybody say let's do it Amen. Praise God. Will you open up your Bibles with me to Matthew 14? Matthew 14, my mom said for me, you know, she came to saw me preach when I first started. My mom said, oh my goodness, where do you get all that energy? You know where I get all the energy? It's because I've got six days to wait for you to be here for one day. And I pray for you guys so much, man. And my heart's been burning for you and our church is growing and so many of you are new here and I just don't want you to lose the passion for discipleship. You might say, Pastor, what if I stumble and fall? The righteous may stumble seven times but they get back up. Pastor, what if I'm not perfect? Good. We got a perfect place for you here because we welcome all non-perfect people. Are you with me? No perfect people are allowed. The know-it-alls can go somewhere else. We are here for you. What we're just saying is, do you want to be a world changer for Jesus? Do you want to be a disciple that may disciples if you're with me in Matthew 14 can you say I'm there thank you look at verse 13 we are right now in the middle of a building fund I'm so pumped up about this because what we do here is setting the tone for 2012 because we want to delve deeper into the things of God we have got to raise this $25,000 we have already raised $7,287 can we give it up for Jesus come on let's get a woo-woo for Jesus you'd be clapper louder than that if you had $7,000 come on amen We just got a little bit more to go. I want to encourage you with this Matthew 14, Jesus feeding the 5,000. What does he say? Look at this story and watch it. Bless you. It changed my life. I didn't even come up with this. The leader of the Assemblies of God, the whole president of the whole Assemblies of God was in New Orleans. He preached this. My wife heard it. She texted it to me. Changed my life. I want you to hear it today. Dr. Wood preached it. I'll give it to you very quickly. Read it with me, though, starting in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approach the disciples who came to him come on somebody say the disciples Thank you. The disciples came to him. Do you know that the Bible has three different types of people? In it? it has disciples, Christians, and believers. Christian is only mentioned two times in your entire New Testament. The word believer, for you being called a believer, is only mentioned six times. You know how many times there are called disciples? Over 256 times. You know why? Because Christians confess the doctrines of Christ. Believers believe in Christ. Disciples live like Christ. That's what he came to make was Matheteus and the Greek followers of Jesus Christ. Those were his closest companions. Bam! They come up to them and they say this is a remote place and it's already getting late send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food Jesus replied they don't need to go away you give them something to eat we have only five loaves of bread and two fishes how many have ever heard this story come on somebody five loaves two bread uh, five loaves and two fishes they answered, bring, uh, bring them here to me and he directed the people to sit down the grass taking the five loaves and two fish and broke it up uh, and offered it up to heaven broke it and gave thanks and the disciples took it and gave it to the people look at verse 20 they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over the number of those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children here's what dr wood said it's a word for us today three ways to not see a miracle it sounds weird but track here with me we all need miracles in our life I know I need a miracle for the church. Does anybody here need a miracle for their job, their family, their home, anything? Come on, we need miracles. Okay, here's three ways not to get a miracle. Number one, leave God out of the equation. When they were there, there was 5,000 men plus women and children put on there, probably another fifteen, uh, 10,000 for a total of 15,000 people are there. They have heard Jesus preach for three days, they're hungry. The first thing they had to do to see a miracle was to go to Jesus and involve him in the problem. So if you don't want a miracle, just don't go to Jesus. Leave Jesus out of your problems. So this right here, $25,000, to not see our miracle, all we have to do is just leave Jesus out. Let's just all look at our bank accounts right now and go, do you got 18000 Do you have 18000 Do you have a, uh, $17,713? So let's leave Jesus out and let's try to do it ourselves. That's the first way to not get a miracle. The second way is to look at what you have more than what he has. So we got five loaves and two fishes. We've got $7,287. And let me tell you what mostly this is because we're doing this for January, February, and March. We have pledge cards in the back. It's basically going to cover debt to enable us to have vehicles and then thirdly to establish things for the future. Listen, when people give like this, I can tell you as a pastor, generally what it is, is people who initially give go to the surplus that they have and they say, this is what I got. And they give it to the church. But then we look back and we go, hold on. We're still $17,000 short. Because the rest of us are probably thinking, I don't have surplus. This is all that I have. And you see, if you want to not see a miracle, then just look at what you have. Let's just all look at our bank accounts and let's just talk about, well, I don't have that. Well, I don't have, do you have, no, I don't have. Let's not involve Jesus, number one, and number two. Let's just look at what we don't have. And then number three, don't do it until you see The miracle first. See, the disciples were saying, let's just send them home. We don't have the food right now. Let's not even try to go through this. You see, we could have said to ourselves seven years ago when my wife and I started in our house, why do we want to try to get a building? Let's just stay here in the house. We don't have any money. But we had to step up when we went to our diversity location. We could have said let's just stay there Let's don't go to irving. We don't have any money three ways to not get a miracle leave jesus out Look at your resources more than god and don't do anything until you got it all put together at first Now how many want to see a miracle? And their life or in this church and let's do just the opposite now number one. Let's get jesus involved there are promotions around us that God is waiting to give us as we start to pray and ask Him. You see, that's a lot of money for us, but is that a lot of money for God? Is 17000 a lot of money for God? And does He care about this church? Does He have compassion like He did for the people back then? Does He have compassion for us? The first thing we will have to cut out is our vehicles and transportation. That's the first thing we will cut out. Does God want the needy who need vehicles and transportation here? Yes. So let's involve him in it. Number two, did you ever think you were going to do this by yourself? So if you, you know, why are you looking at what you got? Why am I looking at what I got? We never could have done this by ourselves. So why are we sitting around going, okay, well, we only have 7,000. We don't got the rest. Why don't we start making God look bigger than the problem? Why don't we start going to Him and start confessing what He said? God, You said the wealth of the wicked was stored up for the righteous. So I ask You, God, to promote me in this job so I can have more to give more. God, You said that You own the cattle on a thousand hills. I make You bigger than this problem of just a few cattle here. And God, I ask You to give me creative ideas to gain new customers, bonuses and raises, unseen money and, and grants. God, for my kids to save money on college and and inheritance. God, I involve you and I make you bigger. And I confess you are my shepherd and I shall not want. Was he lying to us? Was he teasing us? Is that only for prosperity preachers who try to get your money, 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 money so they can drive a Rolls Royce? Or did God really say when it's in his kingdom and for his will, he said these things will be given to us. We're going to involve Jesus. And we're going to start looking at what he has instead of what what we have. And then lastly let's start with empty baskets you see we want to start with full baskets oh god here it is oh yeah we just went right down the road and we got enough food for five thousand people plus women and children here it is no that's not how god likes to start ministry god likes to start ministry with empty baskets you know why because full baskets when we start we get all the glory look what i did look what i did see i had this extra money in my bank account and i just cleared it off see now we're done pastor You see, when we start with full baskets, you see, I could do this church the opposite of God's way, and I could just go, okay, how much do you make? How much do you make? Everybody write down how much you make. Okay, here's our budget. Or we can dream bigger than what we have and believe in who God is. See, God starts with empty baskets and makes them full. God loves to use people in impossible situations so that he can show that he is possible in all that we do. And today I want to ask you a question, not on behalf of me, but on behalf of you and your miracle. Are you involving God in it? Are you looking at God bigger than the problem? And are you willing to start with what you have and just say, hey, I'll start a business. I'll start working a little harder. I'll put this idea out there. I'll do whatever it takes to succeed because I believe God will fill my empty basket. Can I hear an amen? Amen. This is our custom every first of the month to tell you our finances. We brought in $12,994.83 for tithes and offerings, $490 for and 30 cents for missions, $908 for building for a total of $14,393.13. Can we make some noise? Amen. God is showing up. God's doing the thing. This is how much we spent. We spent $14,024.62 in general fund, mostly rent and expenses. Missions, $560.50 building funds zeroed out into the things we're doing for a total of $15,522.62. Let's give it up for Jesus. Good things, amen, being spent. Now here's the reality right here. We were $1,129.49 in the red. Now here's the question. Where does that money get taken from? The first thing that is on our list right now is the gas money for our two vans and the insurance. Okay? Is everybody tracking with me? You all know budgets. I know budgets. You know budgets, right? Here it is. That's how much we spent on our two vehicles, gas and insurance. If we don't get that back, if we don't raise that money, we cut that out. I'm not here to put condemnation on you. I'm just asking you, are you believing God to do great things with me here? Like I said, if you don't want to be a disciple, that's fine. If you don't believe in this, that's go to another church. Go to another church that's more involved about building a fountain than they are about picking up people. That's fine. Give your money there and feel good about yourself. But people here, and I'm not saying we're the only church. I'm just saying, here, don't don't come to me with this love of money. I'm putting it on the pastor. No. If you love money and you're greedy, keep that on yourself. That's not a church that we are here. I don't even receive a salary from the church. Brother uh, Ricky's on the financial committee. Do I receive a salary from this church? No. I make it off being a Bible college professor. I teach three classes in an accredited university right now, on top of being a pastor to this congregation and overseeing 200 churches around the world. Don't tell me that somebody's getting something for free or we're wasting it, I send that devil's lie of love of money back to hell where it came from. You will have one choice in this church to either agree with what we're doing or you will take your lies back to hell where they came from because this is a church caring about people. We have over 12 ministries during the week that reach out and do street ministry from high schools to the west side to the poor and the hurting when we see them on the streets. Ministries are birthed out of here so that people's lives can be changed. So now ask yourself, thinking all that, I'm not mad, I'm just telling you as it is ask yourself this question do we continue like this or do we stretch ourselves and go to God see now you know why that message that my wife texted me changed my life because I said God that just sounds like I'm right in the right place for a miracle sounds like I'm in the right place for a miracle because I'm running to you I'm making you look bigger than the problem and I can tell you right now my basket looks empty as a church that's been growing consistently seven years based on discipleship We have never had to compromise for the finances. And so we ask you now just to simply pray with us that we can change the world. Right now we support over 200 churches in five different nations. Can you just imagine what the devil says right now? We've got eight churches in the Philippines, almost 100 churches in in northern and southern India, 60 churches in Pakistan, 15 in Nigeria, and, and 15 in Nepal. Can you imagine what the devil's saying right now to his demons? Stop them and stop them now. Send people there to discourage them. Send people there that will cause division. Take all the big money people, have them leave, have the others get discouraged, keep the people poor. Do not let Metro praise keep going. If this is what they've done, demon, can you just imagine the devil saying this? Demons, if this is what they've done in seven years, stop them and stop them now. But I love Jesus because he said the gates of hell will not prevail against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you stand up with me today, please, as we get ready to whoop the devil with our giving today? Amen. Would you keep uh, Philippines in your prayers? We're going to be sending them over $500 for a computer and all the, the materials they need to get the revolution started. So pray that the Philippines will begin to receive that gift we have for them. This is what we're asking. It's what Jesus said. tithes and an offering. 10 percent of your total income i learned it as a child anybody grew up in church here had to give a dime off a dollar they when they went to church come on and the bible says an offering and what do we ask today we ask that you would circle offering for missions and for building and as we're raising that big number would you ask god to do big things i sat down next to a gentleman one time in a plane he sent us over twenty thousand dollars I remember there was one time I was giving, the first time I ever gave $1,000, I was in church and God told me to give the preacher $1,000. And I said, I rebuke you, Satan. I said, I know that it's not God because I don't have much more. It was like $1,002, you know. And God was like, give them 1000 And I said, I rebuke you, Satan. And God was like, no, no, that's me speaking. And I, oh, man, I got that nervous feeling. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to live on the streets. I'm going to be poor. And, and, but I'll be a Christian, and I'll suffer for God. Okay. You know, that was my heart. I wasn't much of the cheerful giver. But when I gave it, and, I'm not, and God doesn't ever have to give back to us. God could just say, thankful you're going to heaven. Just be happy. But he does say. He does promise us we'll be given, pressed and get running over. The man of God, I promise you, I know people on TV play like this, but this guy, he shook my hand, and he goes, Pastor, I just want to tell you God is going to give you 10 times this amount in Jesus' name. And I said back to him, I was like, stop lying, man. Stop lying. You just got the money. God bless you. You don't have to lie to me. Like, And then you can fly, and then you're going to have a pony, and you're going to have balloons on your birthday with ice cream. I'm just, take it. Just don't lie to me. Within three weeks, I'm telling you, Now I wish we could have this blessing on everybody. That's why be careful about sending your money for holy cloths and holy water and all that nonsense. But listen, man, I am telling you the truth. Within three weeks, there was somebody that had a bonus. They tithed $12,000 to the church. Can we give it up for Jesus? I've seen God do some miraculous things. He'll do it through us. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are so good to us that, God, our happiness is not dependent upon money. So, Lord, we can be happy giving it away and giving it to your kingdom because it doesn't bring the source of our happiness. We pray today, Lord, that you will give it to us to go through us in promotions and loans and unforeseen inheritance and tax returns and things, God, that when it comes into our life, it will come marked, this is for my kingdom. God, let us be sensitive to serve you, not for money or for gain, but so that, God, we can be faithful to you. God, I just want to serve you. Metro Praise wants to serve you, so we ask you to bless us, to be a blessing. And now, Lord, we ask you to be with Nepal, Pakistan, Philippines, Nigeria. Oh, God, would you just pour out your spirit on India. Let these churches continue to grow. We give them so little, sometimes just between 500 to 1,000. And yet there's so much work being done. And But, God, we're thankful for it. Help us to keep serving them. Oh, God, would you bless them and multiply it. We come with our little empty baskets of five loaves two fishes would you supply it to the nations oh God let your name be known oh God and for our children and our children's children may they be blessed and as we give let it be given back to us pressed down shaken together and running over in Jesus name can everybody say amen let's say our confession on the count of three one two three and my God we will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God bless you as you give. Thank you so much. Come on. Come on, somebody. Amen. I want you to hear my heart today for the next few moments. But before we do, we look at your neighbor and say, we're so happy you're here. We are. We really do. We love you. Our challenges are to help you. You know, if you go to the gym, your, your, your trainer is not going to go like, okay, you ready for ice cream with cupcakes? But how many know your trainer after the end of the workout, he really loves you or in a sense loves your health. He's doing the best thing for you. And that's what a church should be. So don't be offended if we challenge you. Hopefully you'll feel that, but we, we really love you. We are going to, for the next month, March, not have any series, no scripts, no karaoke. I love to do this from time to time, necessarily sometimes not even notes. I just want God to speak whatever he's saying right now. Like the last series we were in for nine weeks. So, you know, about two months ago excuse me, planned out the whole thing. So I knew I was going to be preaching for nine straight weeks. That's kind of hard for a wild stallion. You know, because sometimes I want to just preach on a whole bunch of stuff, you know, keep you here to three in the afternoon. Well, praise God, that starts today. And so for all of March, we're just going to just let that horse run. Just hold on. Just look at your neighbor and say, hold on. (laughs) Okay, and so I mean I don't even know where the message is coming from I am purposely in my devotions not even open to the idea of God sharing the message Unless like he forces it because I just want to spend time with God Just read the Bible like a child just receive it And so last night I didn't even know what I was going to be preaching on I had no idea I'm laying down with my wife looking at Fox News on my phone And then I read a sentence that just changed my life within moments And this message just dropped right into my spirit, and I hope that it will bless your life today and certainly encourage you as it has encouraged the first service and encouraged uh, the others that I've been sharing it with. Today's message is entitled, Life is not fair, but neither is God's grace. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes, because I want you to remember this as I read you this sentence that changed my life. Life's not fair, and neither is God's grace. This is the sentence that I read that changed my life last night. Toddler found alive after tornado kills entire family. Boom, it just changed my life. I'm going to read it again, and then I'm going to share with you more scriptures than you have probably have ever heard in a service before. I have at least almost 150 to go through. I don't think I can go through them all, but we're going to start referencing some things. But I want you to hear this. Life's not fair. Life is not fair, but neither is God's grace. Toddler found alive after tornado kills entire family. They don't mention her name, but they give her age. This was Saturday. A two-year-old toddler was found alive after her mother, father, two-month-old sister, and three-year-old brother were all found dead. And I began to think about this, and God shared this with me so personally. Lord willing, we'll be having another baby. Next month, late, uh, late April, will be baby Lucas. That will be our third child. Two months after that, I will have a three-year-old child, a two-year-old child, and a two-month-old child. Is everybody tracking with me? Imagine two months from now, just as quickly as that tornado ripped through southern Indiana, it would rip through my house. I die. My wife dies. Bethany, our three-year-old, dies. And Lucas, our two-month-old, dies, only to leave Hannah, two years old, alive by herself in a hospital. That is what just rocked me to the core because that's what just happened to a family yesterday. And that phrase came into my spirit. Life's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, if you and I were in control of that tornado, how many could think of some different places you would have liked it to have gone? Maybe over Cook County Jail? Maybe you would want it to see go over Afghanistan or Pakistan and decimate some people there. Maybe some of you would say, those thin earth over there at Belmont and Clark, you would have liked to have seen the tornado go there or in the middle of Mardi Gras or downtown San Francisco. But where did that tornado go? It went right through a family's house and left a mother, father, a baby, and a three-year-old dead. And today, there's a two-year-old child, and I think of Hannah, who will probably only have fleeting memories, vague memories, of who her mother, father, brother, and sister ever were. You see, life has cruelty all throughout it. Some of you tasted life's cruelty right at the beginning of your life. You were brought into a situation that you had no choice over. Maybe an alcoholic father or dad, an abusive relative, maybe sexually abused. And at the moment go, your life was terrible. Your life was full of pain. And at some point you came to the conclusion life's not fair. Others have tasted it further on in life i will never forget the first time i tasted the cruelty of life i was 18 years old i was a bible college student in my first year i was home on break i was sleeping and my mother woke me up at five in the morning tears rushing down her face saying jenny is dead Jenny was my sister who lived here in Chicago. We were in Indiana. She's shaking me saying, Jenny is dead. All I knew to do at that moment was hop out of bed. I grabbed her by the shoulders, and we just both slid on our knees next to my bed, and we began to weep and ask God for mercy. Jenny had drank in all that night long. Drove down a street 70 miles an hour, speed limit 35, couldn't catch the turn, went right into the pole, split her car in two, and went through it like a pop can opened up and shredded herself as she went flying 50 feet into the air. I'll never forget what it was like that day after being woken up, then driving here to Chicago, watching my mother go to the junkyard of my sister's car split in two. And she began to grab some of the knickknacks hanging from the review mirror and some of the things in the trunk and, and weeping uncontrollably until she fell on the floor of the junkyard. The ground was dirty. She cared not. But we came and we picked her up. That was the first day that I had ever tasted the cruelty of life. Some of you may say, Pastor, you got off easy. I tasted it as a child losing my family. I tasted it as a young teenager being raped or being abused. But I want to encourage you today, just as life is not fair, neither is God's grace. And so I want to start off today to tell you that there are going to be some things in this life that will not be fair and you will not be able to stop. But if you trust in God, there will be some other things that will not be fair in your life that you won't be able to stop and that God will do for you. But I want to right now just pop the false American dream that has inserted its way into the church where preachers have told you, now that you're becoming a Christian, you'll never lose a family member. You'll never suffer a sickness. You'll never go without losing a job. You'll always be happy, happy, happy. And every day will be a Friday. I want you to understand that that is a false gospel. And that is not a gospel that's ever been preached from Genesis to Revelation. As a matter of fact, if you are here today and you're almost getting worked up with me and you're saying, you know, I feel that way, Pastor. And not only do I feel that way, I'm kind of angry about it. You're not alone. As a matter of fact, there's a whole entire book of the Bible that talks about somebody who was wrongfully suffering in a life that wasn't fair, drinking more than his share of cruelty, and his name was Job. And at any time, if you feel like your concerns towards God or asking Him where He was or how could He, if you think it's too bold or brash to talk to God that way, I dare you just to read some of the passages of Job. Just cross out his name and put in yours. The form has already been filled of a complainer towards God who said, why in the world is this happening to me? And you know what his friends said back to him? Just curse God and die just curse him and just allow him to kill you. Job lost his family. Job was cursed with boils and severe sickness and he could not understand how in the world God would allow him to suffer. I want to give you four things that the Bible tells you is unfair and you can't do anything about it until you come to Jesus. The first one is being born a sinner. Will you turn with me? The Psalms 51. Now, if you leave right now or any time in the first half of the message, it will not be a good day for you. So I encourage you, stay for the second half of the message. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, you need to stay. Amen? Some of you like to leave. It gets a little late. You need to stay. But i got to tell you four things that are unfair. Number one, you're born a sinner. Psalms 51, 1 through 5. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before you. David talking. Verse 4. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Look at verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. The first thing that is unfair about your life in my life is we are born sinners, whether you want it to be or not. You didn't have a choice whether or not your mom got together listening to Al Green in the back of a 58 Chevy or R. Kelly in a Ford Taurus. Are you listening? You didn't have a choice to come out here and be born. And you certainly had nothing to do with Adam and Eve uh, 6,000 years ago disobeying God. Did you? Were you back there with Adam and Eve? No, you weren't. Did you make your parents get together and make love and make you? No, you didn't. But nonetheless, here you are born. And not only are you born, you're born A SINNER. What that means is you don't just become a sinner by sinning. You sin because you're a sinner. It is the most common thing for you and I to do is to sin. When you're oppressed to the truth, it's easier to lie. When you're pressed towards sharing, it's easier to be greedy. When you're pressed towards uh, allowing someone else to have it, you're pressed towards stealing. I look at raising my children, and I want to know who keeps telling Bethany how to steal a toy from Hannah, hit her on the head with it, laugh, and run away. Who tells my children how to behave that way? I want to find that culprit that sneaks into my house and says, Now, Bethany, you run over there and you take Hannah's doll and you take it from her and you say, Mine. Then you hit her with it on top of the head. You make her cry and then you laugh <laughs> and you run away. And then when your mom and dad find out and they say, Is that Did you have the doll first? Then you lie and you say, Yes, I had the doll first. Who is the one sneaking into our homes, teaching our children this sinful behavior? See, the Bible says right here that they are born sinners. You sin because that's how you were born. Adam and Eve were made perfect in the image of God. God gave them a chance to live in paradise. When they blew it, God cursed Adam and Eve and said, From this point forward, every one of your posterity, everyone that comes from you will be born a sinner now like you. You ever think about how unfair that is? Let's take off the religious mask. Let's pretend that you really are thinking about what I'm saying today in the midst of all the pain you've suffered. Okay, let's be real about this. Doesn't that sound unfair? That would be like the moment you come to your conscious soul at three years old, you find yourself in jail as a toddler. Why am I in jail? Because your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather committed a crime. How long will I be here? The rest of your life. Never know freedom. Only know your jail cell. That's how you're born into this world as a sinner. Life's not fair. You understand? You don't have to be around an atheist to find that out. And by the way, David Hume was a philosopher of the 19th century, and this is how he mocked God by coming up with this, this problem of evil. He said this, if God is all-powerful and he doesn't stop evil, then he's either weak or doesn't care. So you all believe God is all-powerful in this church? So why doesn't he stop evil, David Hume said. He's either weak and he's not all-powerful, thus not being God, or he doesn't care about you. And then the second thing he says, is God all-loving? If he is all-loving, then why did he ever allow suffering to begin with? Why not just punish Adam and Eve, send them on their way, little spanking, and give you another chance? Because if he really is loving, he wouldn't have treated you unfairly. Therefore, David Hume says, God either A, doesn't exist, or if he does exist, he is a devil. He is not all good. He is a sadistic God who puts you here for a few years in misery, tortures you throughout the pains of this life like a child playing with ants and not caring one for the other. And then at the end, he'll damn you to hell for eternity. Sounds like a devil to me. That's what atheists say. Because they don't understand that the Bible from the very beginning set this thing in order. And so if you want to understand the grace of God, first you need to understand the wrath and the punishment of God. And you need to know, first of all, life is not fair. You were born a sinner. The second one is, as you're born in a fallen world, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Right now you're realizing this may not be the happy message you came for. But it will be the message you need. I promise you. If you stick with me, this will be the message you need. It will encourage you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. See, I preach the word of God because I don't fear man. I fear God. You need to hear this today. I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm here to tell you the truth. Whether it's easy to hear or not, it's what you need. Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time were not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Look at verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the glory of the freedom of the children of God. Do you know the moment that Adam and Eve sinned? And the world was cursed Up until that point Adam and Eve lived in the garden of Eden we believe, Christian scientists believe, you can look at answers in Genesis.org. We believe that there was a canopy of water around the earth, kind of like the rings of Saturn. There was a canopy of water around the earth because the Bible says the canopies broke and the waters broke from within. When Adam and Eve sinned, the people keep living wickedly until the flood of Noah. When Noah's people sinned, they had never seen rain. Why? Because the garden was a place with the water around the planet that that, that allowed the rays of the sun to be filtered out. It provided like a greenhouse, a constant temperature and the water didn't come from rain in the precipitation of the air it came from the springs of the earth that was the garden of eden then god cursed the ground and said now adam after you've sinned you're going to work and you're going to till through hard dirt and through thorns when noah then sinned this is what happened you have to understand the cataclysmic action of the flood it is the best evidence upon the earth naturally that shows the bible is true at this moment we we believe that the earth tilted off of its axis. the canopies of water came. Came down, thus taking away the greenhouse effect, t- tilting on its axis, now allowing the four season. Putting at that moment with the water coming down, the ice age. Then the Bible's next thing it says is the waters came up from the deep. This caused the entire shift of the platonic structure and the geologic columns, which now allow tsunamis and these things to happen in the deep. And then the volcanic action comes from this. And so the Bible speaks that there was perfection, but when we sin, the whole world was subjected. Objected to bondage whether it be in the tectonic plates whether it be the atmosphere above or the very tilted axis on the axis of our earth are you listening to me and so when there's a tornado and the insurance companies what did they used to say tornadoes were acts of what God see God caused that tsunamis who did that they say God did that and even primitive man said oh we have to sacrifice our children throw them in these volcanoes so they don't erupt and cause all these issues so that the tectonic plates the the earthquakes don't happen but I want you to hear me today it wasn't God who caused all of that but he punished the world subjected it to the broken place it is now why Because the sons of God sinned. The Bible says, For the creation, verse 20, was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of he who subjected it. When man sinned, all of us became sinners. So you're born a sinner, and you're born in a broke-down world that has pain and misery all over it. Because of the world, there is now floods, there are tsunamis, killed over a 100,000 people in Indonesia a few years ago, just about that same many died in the earthquakes of Haiti. Life is not fair, my friends. Jesus is not here to promise you some yellow brick road and roses along life to make a deal with you for your salvation. Like, let's make a deal, okay, what do you want? Well, Jesus, if you give me a good life, you take away all my troubles and you make me happy every day, then I'll serve you. Okay, I'll put a bubble around you. I won't let any earthquakes touch your home. I won't let you get fired and that will prove I love you. And if I ever stop doing those things, you have permission to stop loving me. See, some people came into an agreement with God like that. God, I'll only serve you when you do good things for me. God, I'll only serve you when I have a paycheck. God, I'll only serve you when everything in my life makes perfect sense because it's all about me. And you promised. No, this is what God promised. You're born a sinner. That's the fact. Number two, you're in a world with destruction. That is where you are now. It is not the Garden of Eden. You are not promised tomorrow another hurricane could come to the Gulf Coast and knock out New Orleans and Katrina like it did back then. You could be taken out by a tornado just like that family was the other day. And this is kind of a little cute story, but it kind of shows how sometimes we're just so simple-minded I was flying with my wife one time, and we were going to a place where I was going to go preach, and I was just so happy to be with her, and she was sitting next to me. And as the plane began to take off and get the G-force and, you know, you get the speed, she's like, Whoo, hold my hand. I'm a little scared. And I'm like, it's okay. We're all right. Well, we were flying, and, and I saw us start to go down, you know, pre- you know cr- prepare for landing. And we started to go down for the landing, but all of a sudden we shot back up again. And then I saw the pilot, one of the pilots leave the cockpit with a wrench in his hand. And I, and I don't know about you, but that's not generally something you want to see on a plane. You know, you're about ready to land, now you're back up in the air. And then here comes the pilot with like a crowbar in his hand. And then he kind of just sc- scurries around, and then he comes back, and then this is what we hear. Ladies and gentlemen, we seem to have a little bit of a problem. Our landing gear is not able to be engaged right now, so we're going to keep flying around until we can get the landing gear to come back down. Uh, the go-pilot's going to come back out there and work his tools. And so I then looked at Nancy, and like, ah, we're going to die! We're going to die! Pray for me! My face turned white like a ghost. We're going to and all i could just keep thinking to myself is we're going to be those people on the news we're going to be those people on the news 150 people died in a plane crash right outside of minneapolis that's going to be us and then and then i just remember looking at my wife but this is how naive she thought this is how naive she thought she she wanted to comfort me and she said "We, we can't die we can't die. There's babies on the plane. God would never allow the babies to die. And, and then I tell, her, oh yeah, he would, because there's planes with babies that die all the time. There's things that happen to babies all the time. And then she starts to freak out, oh, it could happen with babies on the plane. And I'm like, yes, we're gonna die. And then I see the pilot come back out this time, no joke, with his sleeves rolled up and this crank down device. And he's working, he's pulling up tiles off the floor. And then he goes back in and then they get on and go. uh The landing gear was taken down wonderfully. Our pilot did it manually. And so we're now ready to land. He manually cranked down the landing gear. You are Okay, to land. You know, and I just began to think to myself, can I change my diapers now? Because I just peed on myself. The landing gear won't come down, and my wife's best hope for us was there's babies on the plane. But my friends, in all seriousness, I mean, isn't that what we think? No, nothing bad could happen to me. I'm a, I'm a good Christian. Doesn't God know I'm a good Christian? I won't lose my job. Everybody else will lose their job. to see, I'm a good Christian. You know, no, I can't have a miscarriage because, you know, I serve the Lord. That happens to other people. Just the last month of this church in February, you know what happened this last month? This is a pastor of about 250 people. You know what happened? A woman lost her brother to a murder. We had a young lady in our first service. She was here weeping. Even as I was talking, she lost her brother. Last month, they murdered him in another country, murdered three people in our church, two of them had miscarriages and the third one had a baby in its last trimester and the baby died. Two days ago, one of our believers lost their father, all just in Metro Praise. Let me ask you a question. If you were in control of who was going to get a miscarriage, what, if you had to, wouldn't it be the one that was without a, 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 you know, a marriage, the, the girl that's out there doing bad things? Why would it happen to somebody in our church that really wants to have a family? And if somebody was going to die, I mean, shouldn't that criminal who's living that long, healthy life in jail to 70 years old, sucking down all of our tax dollars, why would a man of God, a father, a man of God die? You see, when you start pointing out Those questions back to God You begin to understand Life's not fair Life isn't fair You're born a sinner And you're born in a fallen world The third thing is you're born separated from God Let's go to Romans 3 Chapter 3 verse 9 Romans 3 verse 9, I got to keep reading because we're running a little short on time. What then? Are we any better off than the Jews? No, we've already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Verse 10, it is written, no one is righteous, not even one. No one understands, no one seeks God. Anybody here think that they can stand in their own goodness? The Bible says you're not good enough for God. Jesus wants perfection. If this water right here was the only water on the planet and it was 99.99% pure but had 0.01% strychnine or anthrax in it, would you drink it? Would you drink it? No, you wouldn't. And so God is looking for perfection. And when he looks for perfection upon this earth, does he see perfection in any of us? So guess what? He can't dwell here with us. He can't dwell here with us. When Jesus came down 2,000 years ago to walk among us for 33 years, He had to put on flesh like an earth suit, like we would put on a space suit. But He could not reveal His glory among us. And He could only be here in the form of a man hiding His glory, the Bible says in Philippians 2. He emptied Himself of His divine glory. Why? Because if God was here in all of His fullness and the power of His Spirit without any blocking of 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 the flesh and without any limitations we would all be burned like like a dirt on gold being purified in a furnace do you understand we are dirty to god when we are born and if we do not have christ we will be burned up like fire now you know what jesus says about this He says, you're born a sinner, you're born in a fallen world, you're born separated from God, and while Jesus walked the earth, you know what he said? He said, then there's this place called eternal hell, the lake of fire, where eternal souls will be damned forever for rejecting him in a world that's full of lust and pain with a sinful nature where they don't even get to see him. Does that sound fair? Well, God, if I could at least see you, and if you could at least do something about this sinful nature, it's not my fault I'm gay, God. It's not my fault I'm angry all the time. It's the person you allowed me to be. It's the world, the jacked up place you put me in. And I don't have any help from you. Where are you? Think about it. People feel that way all the time. Life's unfair. God puts me on this earth as a sinner. I'm separated from him. I can't reach out and touch him. And I'm in a fallen world with all this pain and misery. And now he tells me if I don't accept him, I'll be tortured for eternity. People say this is inhumane. Imagine your dog doing the worst, hideous thing you could possibly imagine. A dog let loose. It it, it hurts a child, kills a child, rips out a child's neck like a pit bull. Now imagine, what would you say about somebody that would say, oh, we're not just going to put the pit bull to sleep. We're not even just going to kill the pit bull with a shotgun. We're going to tie this pit bull in a closet and give it enough food to live for all the days of its life. And every day we're going to set parts of its body on fire until it dies. You would say that person was sick and twisted. Yet our God will take your eternal soul, not just for a hundred years, not for a million years, but for years without end and allow you to be tortured for what is your one crime? Being born a sinner. See, it's not fair, is it? Born a sinner, separated from God, all the goods you try to do is worthless in God's mind. And you're in a world that will chew you up and spit you out. Are you encouraged yet by the Bible? I don't know. But you need to hang around for part four, uh, the next part. But here's number four of what's unfair. Number four, you deserve hell. What I just mentioned. Turn with me to Romans 1, verse 1 through 8, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. It says, though they know God, they denied him. And therefore, God gave them over to a detestable mind so that they would be without excuse. Claiming to be wise, verse 22, they became fools, exchanged the glory of God for, for images resembling mortal man, birds and animals and creeping things. Look at verse 24, therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And now keep going, verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over. Who gives them over, my friends? God gives them over to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Does this sound like the TV culture you hear about today? Come on, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know that God's decree of those who practice such things deserve to die they not only give approval to those who do not only do they do them but they give approval to those who practice them that's your world that's according to the bible sounds a lot different than maybe what you've heard isn't it you are born a sinner my friends and it doesn't matter all the goods you do you are a sinner deserving of hell When you are born a sinner, the moment you come to a conscious mind in this planet, you will realize one thing very quickly. The creation of this world does not care about you. Hurricanes will come upon you. Storms will come upon you. Tornadoes will come upon you. Famine will come upon you just like it will come upon anybody else. This world knows no boundaries. The third thing that you'll notice is you will have a desperation on the inside of you to know God, to speak to God, to be face-to-face with God. You will have a God-shaped hole on the inside of you that only God can fill, and yet you will live in this world with never seeing Him, never seeing Him face-to-face. You will not see Him face-to-face on this planet. And lastly, He says this to you, You deserve eternity and hell. Not just annihilation like the Jehovah Witnesses want to teach you. There's no hell. Just annihilation. Not like the Mormons where you get three chances after life to celestial, terrestrial levels of heaven. Not like the Muslims that believe on the day of judgment. You'll have an angel tell your good deeds, a a devil tell your bad deeds, and then you'll be judged and you have a fair chance. You will be sentenced for eternity in hell in a place of gnashing of teeth, a place of pitch darkness and time without end, and you will never be remembered. That is... Why Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1 through 2 summarizes it like this. Would you put it up there in closing of our first section? This is what King Solomon said, the wisest man who walked the earth. He said, this too I carefully explored. Even though the actions of godly and wise people are in God's hands, no one knows whether God will show them favor. The same destiny awaits everyone, whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonially clean or unclean, religious or irreligious. Good people receive the same treatment as sinners, and people who make promises to God are treated like people who you don't I've had people in this church lose houses while the people of this world have made money and bought more houses. I have counseled people who have lost their children while I've counseled other people who have went to abortion clinics to kill their own children. I have counseled people who have had to bury their children while I've gone to visit people who have lived their whole life in the jail system. My friend, there will come a time in your life, if it hasn't already, where you will say this whole system is whack and it doesn't make any sense the good sometimes get treated bad and the bad sometimes get treated good so where is your hope now only by the grace of god can you and i have hope it's the second part of the message i hope you hung on my friends You see, now you can understand amazing grace, how sweet the sound, because life is unfair, and so is the grace of God. You don't deserve anything on this planet. You can't shake your hand back at God and say, but I deserve better. He says, read Romans chapter 9. He can make one clay for a beautiful pot, and he can make the other one for destruction. You have no right to shake your fist at him. You're here now. Deal with it. And so it's one of two ways. You can pout like an atheist and say, I just don't love you God well guess what you're still a sinner you're still in a fallen world you're still separated from God and you will suffer forever in hell or the other option that remains is you can come to Jesus Christ the one mediator between God and men and you can make him the way the truth and the life and the way to the father of your soul today and he will save you from your sins he will bring you back into a relationship with God you will inherit a new heavens and the earth and he will forever be your God and you will see him as you see me today Four things that Jesus did for us by his grace. Grace is the the Greek word charis. It means undeserved favor, undeserved gifts. Think of it like this. If you would arrive today and I said, look underneath your chair. Somebody has a check for a million dollars. Just as simply as you would receive it undeserved, that is what Jesus did for you. You and I didn't deserve it. But we were born sinners. Jesus Christ came in the flesh, Romans 6 through 11. At just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly verse 7 very rarely has anyone died for a righteous man though a good one might dare to die but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us when you were helpless and it was unfair Christ says grace is also unfair and grace will outdo the wrath of God he took it upon himself the second thing is we're born separated from God no one has God's cell phone number no one can climb a mountain to heaven but in galatians 4 4 through 7 it says when the time had fully come god came down to be with us born of a woman under the law to redeem us from the law that we might receive the full rights of sons because you are sons god sent the spirit of christ his son to live in your hearts and you can cry out to him abba father You can't go to heaven, but heaven has come to you. You didn't deserve it, but Jesus loved you so much that He came for you. He didn't have any sin, He didn't have any guilt, but He took your guilt. He took your punishment. When He was on the cross, He cried out in Arabic, uh, Aramaic, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabakani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He who never knew a separation from His Father knew the separation of His Father at that moment. Why? Because He took you your sins so that he could be your savior hallelujah he took away your sins he draws you to the father romans chapter 5 6 through 11 says he also takes the wrath of god there must be a punishment for the things you have done wrong there must be a punishment for what we've all done and it says in romans 6 6 5 6 through 11 you see at the right time christ died for us now go down to verse 9 since we have been justified by his blood how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. Is hell unfair? Yes it is But so is heaven You don't deserve it But grace says you can have it Right now in Christ Jesus It's not by praying f- uh, Five times towards Mecca It's not by you Going to your Catholic church And climbing up the stairs On your knees And lighting a candle every day Yes hell is unfair But so is heaven And what makes the difference today Is whether or not You accept the free gift Of God's grace Purchased for you On the cross of Calvary By the blood of Jesus Christ And lastly This world full of pain and destruction revelations 21 1-7 through 7, the bible says I saw a new heaven and a new earth the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea I saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a beautiful bride dressed for her her husband I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with men he will live with them they will be his people And God himself will be their God. Listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Life is unfair. But so is the grace of God. What makes the difference is Jesus Christ. Do you receive the gift that Jesus has for you today? This is how Paul summed it up in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. When you used to walk in the ways of this world with the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us used to live among them and were nature, by our nature, objects of wrath. But because of his great love, may say, God's great love. Thank you. Because of his great love, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by Grace. You have been saved. It is by the undeserved, unmerited gift of God that we can be saved. Verse 7. Here it goes, in order that in the times to come he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you're thankful for the grace of God, would you stand to your feet today and bless Him for the unmerited favor of God. Band, would you come? I want to give you the lyrics of a song that most of us have become numb to. And I hope you hear it today, fresh and anew in your heart. But before I read it, I want you to see what I believe is one of the greatest tragedies of our churches in the day and age we live in is we don't understand the grace of God. You see, if I never would have told you what you deserved and how unfair life was, you would never appreciate what I'm about ready to share with you. You ever were told this when you were growing up, when you were complaining about eating your vegetables, your parents would say, at least you have something to eat. Remember that? At least you have something to eat. You ever look at starving people feel guilty for all the foods you waste? You see, there's a comparison that happens. Why did that statement change my life? Because life's unfair? I already knew it. But because God told me something in that statement that I didn't see before. Toddler found a lie. The problem with the problem of evil is that without goodness, all we would know is evil. In the animal kingdom, holocausts happen every day. Animals eat and torture each other. They eat their legs. They eat their young, stranding them on the desert floor. They care nothing for them. But inside of man when we even are at our angriest and we're shaking our fist towards God, there is a consciousness on the inside of us, a thumbprint of God in His divine nature that says something is broken. It doesn't feel right because we're always crying out for the things that are broken in this life to be fixed. And what the devil does is He has us focus so much on the things that are broken that we don't see there's goodness on this earth because of His grace. You didn't deserve to be molested. You didn't deserve it. It was unfair. But because you have gone through it, you are here today and you are able to understand pain and hurt and the understanding of the cross of Calvary, some deeper than more people will ever understand. Because you can taste the pain of this world. Your heart is so deep, you'll be able to drink in the joy of God. You may say it was unfair that I lost a loved one. No one will ever replace it. But did you know that you're here telling the story of that loved one? It's God's grace that is allowing you to live right now and tell us stories about that person. And you see, yes, a family died, and I'm not brushing over it. I think I made it plain today. Life is unfair. Let's just say it as it is. It sometimes sucks. But there's a baby today in a hospital breathing some air through its lungs because God has a purpose for that child. And though you may see the wickedness and you may see the pain, what I see is a God reaching His hands into a filthy, broken world and giving undeserved gifts to His people every day. And whether or not you understand it or I understand it, God is amazing and His goodness endures forever. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We don't think we're wretches anymore, friends. We just think we're so good. And Jesus is just the, you know, the the Lexus upgrade on our middle class American SUV. I can do pretty good without God, but with God I get a little better gas miles. We don't understand amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. November 5th, 1995. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. To fear God. To know He's bigger than us. And it was grace... My fears relieved that even though he was big, I didn't have to throw my child down a volcano to get him to love me, that he already loved me. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Though many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already overcome. "'Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home.'" Do you know that saints who wrote these songs and lived just a 100 years ago before the American dream, uh, you know, preached, uh, made our gospel a false gospel, do you know they understood that was suffering in life? Do you understand that they understood that that pain would come, but they understood something greater than that, that God's grace was bigger than pain? And it was the only reason why they could make it through the life that had so many letdowns through many dangers toils and snares i have already overcome tis grace that brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home the lord has promised good to me his word my hope secure He will shield and be my portion as long as my life endures. Yes, when my flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I will possess within the veil a life of eternal joy and peace. When we've been there in that new place that God makes for us, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, We've known no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Would you close your eyes and thank Him for His grace? Right now, we thank You, God, for Your grace that gives us undeserved blessings, undeserved favor, that pours out love when we don't deserve it, altar workers would you come please would you thank him for his amazing grace right now yes you have pain on this earth no one is looking past it no one is dismissing it lightly but I'm asking you is there grace in your life now through Christ how did my mother get through the hardest time of losing her daughter it was the grace of God it was the unmerited undeserved love of Jesus that gave her heart hope What will bring you through the pain you face in this life it will be Jesus when you feel that pain you can look to the cross and you can know Jesus knows all your pain he has even felt being separated from God like you and I have been Jesus, would you thank Him right now for grace? You may have tears coming down your eyes. You may not understand it all. You may still have 101 questions. Let me ask you a question while you're asking questions. If you broke your arm, would you want a dissertation on breaking of arms? Or would you want the pain medicine to get the pain to go away? Do you want us to explain the entire world to you, God, from start to finish? Or do you want Him to give you grace and love and take the pain away? You'll have eternity to understand His great divine mysteries. But now it's time to receive grace. If you need grace, just in the next few moments, would you come? We'll close out in prayer in just the next few moments. But don't leave yet. If you need prayer for anything, if you need forgiveness of sin, would you come? If you need someone to pray with you through life's struggles, would you come quickly right now? If you just need prayer for anything, God's grace is here. Would we just sing that song, Oh, How He Loves Us? Give God five minutes today, friends, before we leave. We'll dismiss in just a moment. Come on, now you understand why the New Testament believers, every time they would greet each other, instead of saying, hey, how you doing? Or God bless you, they would say grace and peace. May the grace of God, may the undeserved favor and blessing of God in the irene, without storm, peace of God be on your life grace and peace to the believer today who lives in a world subjected to pain and suffering may God bring you healing today come on just sing it out oh how he loves us he loves the world full of sin full of pain he loves it he loves you your only solution today he is the only hope for the trouble you face the grace of God just want you to keep praying those who up at the front keep praying but I want you to hear my heart before we go Romans chapter 5 says we are justified by faith going on to Romans chapter 6 it says by one man's sin Adam the many were made unrighteous by one man's sin the many Adam were made unrighteous but by Jesus the one act of righteousness the many are made righteous Life's unfair, but so is God's grace. You have a choice today as you walk out these doors. You can shake your fist at God because you're born a sinner. You're in a wicked world. You're separated from Him. And He's already threatened you with hell because of His wrath. And it will change nothing for you. Or you can walk out of these doors with the grace of God. And it will be your strength to the situations you face and whether I ever meet you at an altar at a funeral with tears coming down the eyes and the pain of your heart you'll be able to say it's the grace of God pastor it's the grace of God pastor that's getting me through you will know the secret power of grace and one day we'll all be with them my friends never cry again and be with him for eternity I ask you to make the right choice today. Let's pray in closing. Those who still need to pray we will keep worshiping. Can stay as long as you like. We're not in a hurry. But let me dismiss those that need to go. Father, we thank you that, God, life's not fair. But your grace isn't fair either. And you lavish it on us and your grace is bigger than our pain your love is greater than hatred your redemption is greater than wrath and punishment and heaven overcomes hell and we worship you today because all things work together for those who are called according to your purpose and nothing God will separate them from your love not trials God, not famine, not nakedness not even life or death oh God Nothing can separate your people from your love. As we leave out of here, let your love, God, permeate our soul and let us share it with others that it's by the grace of God we overcome. We're more than conquerors because of your grace. In your precious name we pray and give you praise. In Jesus' name, if you love him, can you say amen and bless his name today. God bless you. We'll see you at Life Groups if you have to go. But I would welcome you to worship with us. Bask in the love of God today.